and um, uh, ended up crying out to the Lord and, and accepting the Lord and, and getting completely delivered from those things. And, um, you know, I was thinking about that. Uh, you know, the Lord can deliver us. One of the things we, that would help us to be aware of, any time that there are things like addictions that get into your life, uh, a lot of times those, um, uh, you know, there's no really uh, such thing as a doctrine of generational curses. Of course, people like to preach that because it preaches good and people cry a lot, but um, there's no really biblical doctrine of, of generational curses. We're not going to go into all the reasons why that's the, not the case there. Uh, but there is a, a doctrine of familiar spirits. And a lot of times, uh, demonic forces will uh, become familiar with a family or a region, uh, but typically like a family, uh, and they'll hang out in that family, and that, that will typically uh, hang around for generations until someone puts their foot down and doesn't yield to that anymore. You know, generational curse implies that there's nothing you can do about it, you're going to be cursed. Uh, and you have to break that curse before you get victory. Well, that's not really the case. You know, that's, uh, they, they pull uh, scripture out of context from the Old Testament to, to define that. But there are things like familiar spirits. And a lot of times what happens if, especially if you get uh, redeemed from some type of addiction, uh, whatever that is, that familiar spirit may hang around your life all the days of your life, trying to tempt you to get back into that thing. And uh, for, from our perspective, we just have to be diligent about those things, you know. I mean, they have no power over you, but because they did have power over you at one time, uh, they will try to get you back into that because addictions can be so all-consuming and so... Uh, controlling uh, that they love to get people back into those things so whatever the addiction is and there are things that people you know there's uh, I know lots of stories of people who were involved in drug addiction you know that sort of thing but then you also got other addictions that uh, that they got involved in some people that came out of the homosexual world uh, and, and became um, uh, biblically sound in their in their relationship with other uh, members of the opposite sex uh, a lot of times that same uh, temptation to go back to that world will be there, maybe all the days of their life. Um, and it's not, uh, it's not punishment from the Lord, it's just familiar spirits that are trying to get people back into those things. And so I was just thinking about that with uh, Dr. Yeomans, that no doubt um, she had opportunities to go back into that world because she was always the same person, still driven, still you know a type A personality, and the desire to, to maintain whatever level of, of uh, uh, work ethic that she had after she got saved and uh, delivered from those things was still there, and the temptation to go back to use those drugs to enhance her life, you know, would still be there. And so, and it might have been there all the days of her life. I know, like with A.A. A. Allen, he was one of the great uh, healing evangelists from the 50s, you know, and some of the most spectacular healings occurred in his ministry. Uh, but he always struggled with alcoholism. In fact, he died, uh, when they found him, he had died and there was a, uh, a bottle of liquor there in his room. Uh, and no doubt it was because of those familiar spirits that although he got the deliverance from it and the freedom from that, still the temptation to go back to those things uh, will, uh, will be in your life, amen? And it's not punishment from God, it's, it's just uh, the work of the enemy, amen? Uh, and so... Uh, so just, you know, from uh, what I would encourage you all, if there's things that you've been delivered from, uh, you know, be, be aware that that thing, you know, may try to come back, you know. And some, uh, now, sometimes the devil gets, uh, uh, he loses all hope to, to get you back in it, and he'll go somewhere else, and you may never think about it again the rest of your life. I know some people that, uh, for example, they get uh, delivered from smoking cigarettes, 
uh, and they're never ever tempted again and other people they it's hard for them to even be around cigarettes because they want to go back into that you know and so it really depends on your own uh, particular walk you know the bible says to work out your own salvation uh, with fear and trembling and that's part of it that you've got to walk that out yourself and and um uh, uh and there's no you know it, it's not necessarily well if I'm tempted, does that mean that I still want to do it all the time? It's not always a reflection on your personal walk with the Lord. It's just those familiar spirits are always, they got nothing else to do, right? They, they know someday they're going to be doomed, so they might as well stick around and try to mess with your life. So, um, but those are, those are things to be aware of and, and, um, um, uh, and just know it's the same thing with sickness and disease. If you get uh, healed from a sickness and disease, oftentimes there can be a symptom of that same sickness and disease to come back even if it's not the same exact uh, origin of the disease it may be the symptom that a devil's putting on you just to see if if you will hook up with it and then he'll be glad to bring you the rest of the disease along with it uh, and i know i've heard some testimonies you know people have had that same thing right where they get freedom from some sickness and disease and then not long after that a um, a a uh, symptom of that disease comes back upon them uh, and you've got to stand your ground and in, in my experience uh, that's happened to me many times and if I stand my ground uh, oftentimes that sickness and disease will leave and may never you may never uh, ever sense that symptom again uh, for maybe ever right and so uh, but that's just you know it's helpful to know a little bit of how the devil works you know we don't have a lot of de details in the word of God but we do have some experiences that can be helpful for us to learn about um uh, and so he's a bad devil but we've got a big name right we've got the great name of the lord jesus that we have available to us amen uh and so uh, in this particular chapter she's talking about the blood of jesus and just kind of um using the analogy of the natural blood that we have uh, in its function in the in our physical bodies to what the blood of jesus can do in our own lives and so of course we know the blood of jesus uh, washed away our sins uh, and um, uh, and that's really the primary purpose of it but also uh, it not only washed away our sins but it also was the purchase price for our redemption and so uh, that was the cost uh, to purchase us out of redemption by well, of course the cost was to pay for all of the sins so um, but she's got some good uh, some good analogies in here that that's helpful for us to know because when we see the function of the, of the blood in the natural body, we understand that those are things that are helpful in our uh, spiritual lives as well. And so we talked uh, last week about um, that it supplies food, uh, that part of the job uh, of the blood in our bodies is to provide food to us, supply food to all the, all the cells, right? So all the specific nutrients uh, that the cells need. Uh, and um, in fact, I had looked this up. I think I mentioned it maybe uh, last week, but... Uh, the blood in your in your in your body right now will make a complete circuit of your entire uh, body um, uh, every 45 to 50 seconds. And I think uh, I think you looked this up, right, Jared? You said that the, that if you measure all the length of all the blood vessels, of course they got blood vessels, you know, veins and arteries and then capillaries and the small little tiny blood vessels. Uh, it's what did you say, 60,000 miles? 60,000 miles, right? That that's a quarter of the way to the moon, um, and so. Uh, that's a lot of, and that's you walking around right now. You've got 60,000 miles of blood highway uh, coursing through your veins. And, and so the, uh, the blood in your body makes a complete circuit of all of those blood vessels every 45 to 50 seconds. So more than once a minute, right? Uh, and so 
That's pretty amazing, right? Uh, and that, so that blood touches every corner of your body, and it brings all the nutrients to your body. And so, you know, the blood of Jesus should cover all of your sins, right? It should cover all the aspects of your life. Uh, and so, uh, uh, and then let's turn over to um, uh, Matthew chapter 24. And so uh, one of the things that uh, uh, the blood does is it regulates uh, your body temperature, right? And so... Um, here in Matthew chapter 24. So she's using that as, as an analogy to things that go on in our life. And if we can get over here, Matthew chapter 24, uh, it says in verse uh, 12, um, well, let's start in verse, uh, verse 11 or verse 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So in our spiritual lives, our love can wax cold, right? And so the blood of the Lord Jesus can help, help regulate that. And just really living in the Lord um, uh, can, can help regulate that. Uh, but it's interesting that, that even as Christians, that uh, our love can wax cold, right? And of course, that love there is the agape love of God. Um, and uh, we should allow the Lord Jesus to regulate that. Never get cold in your love towards others, right? And uh, she also mentioned, of course, the, the more famous verse there in the book of Revelation. Let's turn over there real quick because I think it would be helpful to look at that real quick. And so this Revelation chapter 3. So, of course, Revelation chapter 3 is um, uh, the letters to the seven churches, the, the discussion that the Lord Jesus had in relation to the seven churches. And it says here, let's start in verse um, 14. So if you go through the seven churches, you know, you can find out which things the Lord said. Some churches he said, only good things too, you know, hey, you're doing a great job, just keep it up, you know, some churches, you know, he said some good things and bad things, hey, you know, you're doing a pretty good job, but over here, you know, you need to straighten up a little bit, uh, and then unfortunately, the church at Laodicea, he couldn't find anything good about him, right, now, our, our mothers told us, if you can't find anything good to say, don't say anything at all, but the Lord Jesus doesn't prescribe to that particular motherly advice, uh, he says whatever he needs to say, right, and if it's only bad things, then that's what he says, right, and so, don't tell Jesus how to speak, right, and so, um, you know, it's uh, sometimes we come up with laws that uh, that aren't biblical, right? Well, if you don't have anything good to say, well, you know, I mean, if the Lord says to tell you somebody to straighten up, then tell them to straighten up, right? And and uh, if they got if they hadn't done nothing good in a while, then tell them, hey, you ain't done nothing good in a while. Well, you should say something good about them. Well, okay, you got nice hair, but um, uh, but you're not required. Is there a law that says you can only say you know uh, only good things? Well, no. You say whatever the Lord tells you to say, right? And, and so, and that's really the rule. Uh, you don't say whatever you want to say. You say whatever the Lord wants to say. So the Spirit of God wanted to say these things to these churches. And, uh, and so the, the uh, or the Father God did. And so the Lord Jesus said to the church at Laodicea in verse 14, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things set the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would that thou were cold or hot. Uh, so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Uh, and so, in this particular case, the Lord said, I, I want you to be either cold or hot. Uh, and I was doing some studying on this uh, many years ago, uh, you know, because to me, you think they would say, the Lord would say, I only want you to be hot, right? Uh, and so don't be cold and don't be lukewarm, but only be hot. Uh, but he says, I would that you'd be hot or cold, right? Uh, and so, 
So it, it seems to imply that being cold is okay uh, and being hot. But of course, you've got to be careful about, well, cold in what way, right? Cold toward the Lord is not right. Cold with your love would not be right. Uh, and so, but is it okay to be cold? Well, if you go back and look at the, the types and shadow of the Old Testament, you go back in the nation of Israel, you remember when they were in the wilderness, uh, and what two uh, supernatural events did the Lord do for them every day as they were traveling? Cloud by day and fire by night, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. I'm fine. You're fine. Right. We're all fine. Right. And that's kind of lukewarm. Right. We're all fine. You're fine. You know, nothing to change, nothing new. Uh, and, you know, and I think that's fine with that uh, uh, for that particular interpretation. Uh, the thing the Lord had showed me was uh, it's an analogy of the nation of Israel, because when they were walking through the wilderness uh, during the daytime, they were hot. Uh, and so he had the cloud that was over them, right? And so they depended on the cloud to protect them. And at night, uh, it was cold in, in the deserts, and they needed the fire of the Lord to keep them warm. And so whether, it was, whether, they, were the, whether, they, were the, whether they were cold or hot, they needed the Lord. They knew they needed the Lord. Uh, and that's really, and so I don't, you know, uh, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with other interpretations, but uh, really, if you're cold or hot, in either one of those cases, you know you need the Lord. If you're cold, you need the Lord for heat. If you're hot, you need the Lord for, to keep you cool. Because that's the analogy when they were cold and hot in, uh, in the children of Israel. Uh, and so whatever your life is, you know you need the Lord. Uh, and, you know, Christians that are lukewarm, eh, you know, they, they go to church, not go to church, you know, they'll pray, they might not pray, you know, yeah, you know, you know, I'm fine, right, I don't really need the Lord, I'm not desperate for the Lord, it's nice to have him, you know, good fellowship, and we like eat chicken legs every now and then, but... You know, I don't really need, I'm not desperate for him. Uh, and the Lord said that he, people like that, he wants to spew them out of his mouth, right? Uh, and we know Christians like that. We know Christians that can take God, not take, you know, take it or leave it. And, and they're just lukewarm, right? They're just, eh, you know, they're not desperate for the Lord. And, and those that are cold or hot are desperate for the Lord, right? And so I think that's a little bit different analogy than what Jesus was saying in Matthew 24. I think it's fine to, to, uh, to interpret it either way because he doesn't give us a lot of details on that. Uh, but either, either way, you need the Lord, and you need to be in a place in your life where you always need the Lord, uh, and that you're never too smart to need the Lord, or you're never too prosperous to need the Lord, or never too uh, smart or, or aware or knowledgeable to need the Lord, amen? Uh, and sometimes we get that way. Uh, and so, you know, your, your blood, uh, in fact, uh, you know, like if, if you're physically out in the cold somewhere, you know, your hands and your feet get cold, right? And why do they get cold? because your, your blood flow uh, stops going out to the extremities and stays uh, in your core, in your organs, to keep them warm. Because I know, well, those are the most important things. You know, you can live without a finger, but you can't live without a you know, heart or lungs or things like that. So uh, your, your blood will, will uh, protect you by uh, regulating your temperature, right? Uh, and so, so we just need to remember that, that uh, you know, stay with the Lord, 
always know that we need the Lord no matter what, right? And that'll regulate us. And once we get to the point where we don't need the Lord, yeah, I'm fine, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think often about back in, over, all the way back in, in um, in fact, uh, turn back over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll just read that real quick. Um, and so, of course, the book of Deuteronomy is Moses uh, talking to the children of Israel just before they go over into the promised land, right? Uh, and so, so he said, um, here, they're, they're right at the edge of the promised land. They're fixing to go across the Jordan River. Of course, Moses can't go because of his prior infractions with the Lord. But he, he's encouraging them just before they go. And, and he says here in verse 10, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. So uh, are they going to walk in and have cities they didn't build and just be able to use them? Sure, that's, a, that's prosperity, right? Did you build them? Did you spend months and years building them? No. Did you pay to have them built? No. They're just built, right? Um, and, and um, you know, we've thought oftentimes uh, of building our own house, and the Lord delivered us from those thoughts, right? Because if you build your own house, you know, how many decisions have you got to make? I mean, a gazillion, right? I mean, just for this uh, renovation of this sanctuary, uh, it's a gazillion decisions. You know, what color are the floors? What color are the walls? What color, you know, do you clean the, uh, I mean, uh, apparently that was a decision to clean the trusses or not clean the trusses, right? Uh, you know, what, what, uh, how, how big should we make the stage? Should, should we make it a circle? Should we make it a square? I mean, uh, how many decisions you got to make, right? Uh, and so, what kind of lights do you want? Uh, where do you want the lights? You know, I don't know. There's so many decisions, right? Uh, and so, but wouldn't that be nice just to walk in, have cities that you didn't build? Um, and so he said, and houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not. Uh, so you walk, you not only get a city, you get your own house. You walk in, there's a house. And it's got stuff in it, right? And good stuff, uh, right? F- filled, of, filled with good things. Uh, wells that are already digged, uh, which thou diggest not. Uh, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou, hast, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. And so he said, you're going to walk into the promised land. All the blessings will be there. You don't have to do anything, they're just there. It's a pretty good deal, right? Pretty sweet deal. And you know, it, what's amazing is, uh, if you go through the whole book of Deuteronomy, he can, he, over and over again, Moses says, all your blessings are on the other side of the Jordan River. All the blessings of the Lord, all the provision of the Lord. Everything good is on the other side of the Jordan River. And you still had uh, two and a half tribes go, can we just stay over here though? Is it okay if we just stay? And Moses is like, well, you know, all the blessings are over there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it okay if we stay over here? I mean, it's just, it's like, sometimes you just wonder about people. It's like, okay, all the blessings are over here, and there's just wilderness over here. Okay, can we stay? Is it okay if we stay in the wilderness? Uh, Yeah, but uh, let me get you a 1-800-psychiatrist first, you know, call them and find out why you're crazy, right? What's wrong with you? And yet, you know, um, we, in, in of course, in the New Testament church, uh, you know, the, the river Jordan really represents a type and a shadow of the experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, right? You've got, the, you got the, uh, the Red Sea, which represents your initial baptism into the body of Christ to get saved. And you've got the, the Jordan River, which represents the, the second spiritual baptism, which is baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the Lord said all the blessings are, are, are that second after that second experience. Uh, and so, uh, and yet... How many people in church? I'm, I'm good over here. Well, I, I believe in this uh, speaking in tongues. It's just not for me. 
well, that sounds like the two and a half dumb tribes, right? And like, well, can we just stay over here? Anyway, so, uh, so, um, so the Lord said, it's all over there, already for you right now. You could walk in and say, it's mine. That's a pretty sweet deal, right? But then what did he say? He said, then beware, in verse 12, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. In uh, this verse 12 is such a strong warning to us as Christians. Because he said, when you get blessed, don't forget the Lord. So you don't become lukewarm and go, wow, man, we got it easy. We've got houses, vineyards, uh, cities. Uh, everything's already, we're good. Man, we're good. Look at all these things we've got. But who provided those things to begin with? The Lord did, right? Who provides all that you have? Well, the Lord does. Amen. But how often do we forget the Lord in our prosperity, right? The, we have this, all this prosperity right here given to us. We didn't even do anything. We just showed up, said, I'll take that. Uh, and the Lord said, don't forget me in my prosperity. And I can't tell you how many times over the years that we as a church have helped people. They're down and out. People are struggling. You know, they, they don't know where tomorrow's going to happen. They don't know where they're going to eat. They don't know where they're going to sleep. And we help them. We, we help them with food and other things that we can do to provide for them. You know, we don't have a place to sleep, obviously. Uh, and and uh, I saw someone online one time said, why don't all these churches open up their church buildings to the homeless? Let them sleep there. I'm like, well, I will as soon as you open up your house to all the homeless, too. You know, let them sleep at your house, you know. Uh, and uh, I mean, who's going to watch them, right? I mean, we don't know these people. Uh, and I mean, not that I'm suspicious of people, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't let a stranger just sleep in my house. You gonna let a stranger sleep in your house, right? I mean, you share your bunk bed or, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's, a, it's funny how people always say, here's what you should do. Well, why don't you go do something first, right? I mean, I'm not mad at anybody, but I always think it's funny people do that. But, uh, but, you know, we've helped lots of people over the years. And it seems like as soon as they get stable, as soon as their job is stable and their, their uh, food is stable and their housing is stable, they're gone. And why is that? Because they were desperate for the Lord, they were hot or cold for the Lord, and they got help, and they just became lukewarm. I'm good now. I'm fine. You know, I, don't, I don't need the Lord. Uh, and it's such a warning, right? Uh, and um, it's, uh, you know, the, the blood regulates our temperature, and, and we should stay close to the blood of Jesus. Amen? Stay close to the Lord all the days of our lives, because if we get, if, if we get just comfortable, then we become lukewarm Christians, right? And, and so... So you're one of them, right? So you can tell all the churches to what to do. But these were not strangers that knocked on your door, right? These are people you knew of or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're a little slow, right, Sue? You know, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's a balance to everything, and um, uh, and I think that's good wisdom, you know, to because you kind of have to limit it. Because if you don't, you know, there there's just people who will just who will just always uh, just take, 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 right? Uh, and um, you know, we had uh, there's folks here that we helped for years, just off and on, and. Um, you know, hey, you know, you come to church. Oh, yeah, I, I want to come to church more than anything, right? And, and they never show up, you know. And then finally, it's like, look, if you're not going to come to church here, if you're not going to go, I mean, it wasn't like they were going to church anywhere, you know, so we'll come to church here. Well, you know, I don't want to, you know, they, they want to come. And so, like, well, then we can't help you, right? And, and they're like, well, why not? Well, because the church's job, you know, I, I know this is maybe a revelation to some people, the church's job is not to feed the world, Right? That's not our job. Our job is to save the world. And if we have to feed them to get them saved, no problem, right? But our job is not to just save the lost, I mean, to feed the lost, right? That's not, that's not our job. It doesn't end there, right? Now, if, if to get them saved, we've got to feed them. Jesus did that many times. But Jesus didn't have a food program. You know he didn't have a food program, right? He fed people after he preached to them for three days. And, and if you want to stick around for three days, we'll preach, you know, for 72 hours straight. We'll feed you, right? We'll give you a chicken leg or something. We'll have it catered or whatever. But, but that's not being unkind because, you know, the, you know, there's people in the world who will just take. They don't care. They just, they're just, you know, they'll just take, right? They'll just take, take, take. Uh, and it's not showing love to them to feed that, right? To, to feed that particular, uh, 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 you know, I don't know what you want to call it, but whatever that is that all they want to do is, is take and they don't want to give anything to the Lord by, especially their life then, um, you know, at some point, you just cut it off, right? Uh, and we're, so we're not unkind because you give them every opportunity. I tell people to come here, they walk in that door. I said, everything this church has belongs to the people in this church. And we'll help, we've helped plenty of people in the church over the years uh, and, and be glad to do it, you know? And we're glad to help anybody that tells us to help. It's not that we're, we begrudgingly help anybody. We're, always, we're here to help. But the very last people that we helped, you know, I, I sat and talked with them a long time. You know, where do you go to church? Well, you know, I don't really go to church anywhere. But, and, and they always say this, I think, we've been looking for a church, you know, and, and, you know, of course, they act like all pastors are stupid, right, that we've never heard these stories before, right, and really, how long have you been looking for a year? You mean you can't find a church in a year? You can throw a rock and hit six churches, right? Uh, and, and now, it might bounce off two or three of them that are dead, but, you know, still, you'll hit six churches, and, and uh, you, you, ain't, you ain't looking for a church. You ain't found one in a year, uh, and so uh, we'll, we're going to come to your church, really. And I tell them all the same thing. I said, you know how many people tell me that? Uh, I said, they all tell me that. I said, you know how many actually have done that? I said, zero. I said, you reckon you'll be the first? Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. We guaranteed, if we say it, we are going to, we, we don't ever go back. Um, you know, for, and I don't, I don't sit there, you know, I'm not jaundiced and jaded, and you know, like, I don't believe them at all, you know. I was like, okay, we'll see. I ain't putting no money down on either way, but we'll see, right? We will see if you're a man or a woman of your word, right? Because, you know, like I'm at, because that's not a prerequisite for me to help them, right? It's, like, well, if you come to my church, because then I'm bribing people. I'm not going to pay them to come to church, right? That, that would be uh, silly, uh, uh, and it'd be, you know, it wouldn't be right, I don't believe at all, to bribe people to come to church. 
But I do encourage you need to be in church. You know, you need to learn why, uh, what the Lord has done for you, so you don't have to go and get help from people. You can go and be help to people. Amen. All right. God's desire is that we get these blessings that it talks about here in Deuteronomy chapter six. And if we get all these things for free, how many people could you help? I mean, you can help a lot of people, right? Uh, and that's really the, the job of the church. And so, um, you know, uh, the job of the church is not to feed and clothe the world. Amen. Our job is to save the world. And if we have to do something along the way to help them, that's fine. No problem, right? Because remember what Jesus said about the poor? He said, you'll always have the poor what? With you, right? And so I think it's key about they're, they're with you. So those people that, that have come and get help on occasion, they're not with me, right? They're just, they're, they're here, but they're not with me, right? All of you all are here with me, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so that, you know, Jesus said that for a reason, uh, because if you got the poor with you, now look, if they're with you and they listen to the word long enough, you know, I can guarantee you they won't be poor forever, amen? Uh, if they listen to the word and apply the word to their life, they will not always be poor. Someday they'll be able to help other people that are poor, uh, and that's fine, right? Times and seasons and things happen and uh, the Lord's merciful and kind. And, uh, and so, uh, but it is a warning uh, to, uh, to not become lukewarm. Uh, and I think Deuteronomy 6 is a great uh, summary of that is do not forget the Lord in your prosperity. You know, do not forget the Lord when you're prosperous in uh, financial things. Don't forget the Lord when you're prosperous in physical things, right? So if you're perfectly healed, you know, some people are desperate for the Lord for healing, right? And they'll go to a healing uh, church uh, for years, and they get healed, and they just they don't go to church anymore. And it's like, well, why aren't you going to church? Well, I'm healed. Well, I mean, that's, is that all you went to church for, is just to get healed? You didn't want to bless the Lord and, and uh, listen to Him, grow in, the, in things of God? And so we want, to be, uh, we want to be hot and cold for the Lord in that regard. We want to be desperate for the Lord all the days of our life. Amen? Uh, if He blesses us 100%, we still want to be desperate for the Lord, amen? Uh, and, I, and I believe that's, that's what he's talking about there. Uh, and so, um, so one of the things um, uh, that she mentioned was uh, that, uh, of course, one of the big things is that the blood provides oxygen, right? So um, uh, all of your, uh, you know, it's amazing. You think about the, uh, the human body that we breathe in air and our lungs uh, filter out and grab just the oxygen and pushes that oxygen into our bloodstream. And to me, it's just like a miracle every, every breath you take. It's like, so somehow, you know, in the air right now, there's only 20% oxygen. Uh, about nearly 80% of it is nitrogen, and your body filters out everything other than the oxygen and puts it into your bloodstream. And the rest of it is what you breathe out, right? So carbon, carbon uh, dioxide, and, but mostly nitrogen. Uh, and so and then it puts that into your into your bloodstream, uh, and then that blood carries that oxygen to all the cells. So the cells all need to breathe, and they need to breathe oxygen. Uh, and so uh, that's what your blood does, right? Uh, and so she quoted, uh, you don't have to turn over there, but in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So he made a way for us by his blood, amen? Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, so it, it is interesting, you know, and of course, I, I've always been a big fan of the design of the human body and how the Lord made all these things work. Uh, to me, it's uh, pretty amazing that we survive every day, right? I mean, you know, uh, your, blood, your body right now is doing 10 million things. You know, there's, there's more cells in your body than there are stars in the sky right now. And somehow they all work together to get from here to Walmart. You know, how, it's like a miracle every day, right? Just to get to Walmart. 
Uh, and so, uh, you, you know, you just think about that. And of course, you know, the evolutionists say that it was all an accident, right? You, so, you, so you're saying trillions of cells have been created and all combined into a cohesive unit uh, and functioning as one to accomplish goals and tasks in the earth. And you're saying that's a complete accident, right? That that was just a mistake uh, because in the, the design of evolution is all the changes of evolution occurred because of some genetic uh, failure, right? There was a genetic uh, mistake that occurred from one generation to the next generation because that's the only way a change can happen, right? So if a thing's got two legs, then a genetic anomaly occurs that suddenly it's got four legs. Uh, and, uh, and then somehow that genetic anomaly then carries on to other generations. And so, I mean, the whole, the whole design of evolution is kind of absurd. Uh, and the, the amount of uh, the, uh, the chance of all of those things happening that it's not only a genetic defect, but it's, a, it's an advantageous genetic defect. And not only is it a good defect, but it's also a, a now a hereditary defect. And it's not only a hereditary defect, but then it somehow overrides all the other defects and becomes uh, the thing for, for that particular animal, right? So if it's a two-legged animal, now it's a four-legged animal. Somehow, all its cousins that were two-legged all die out, and only the four-legged animals survive. Which just—it's just absurd, and uh, uh, the chances of all that happening, right? And so, anyway, the uh, uh, the human body is pretty amazing how the Lord created it. Amen. Uh, and then um, uh, she she uh, changed over here about how that the blood is used to convey emergency supplies, um, and and so she was talking specifically about. Um, different things like adrenaline, which is uh, made, I didn't realize this, it's made uh, in glands on the top of your kidneys. I always thought it was somewhere else, you know. Uh, and so uh, we know we've heard stories of adrenaline, right? So when adrenaline kicks in, you know, suddenly you don't feel any pain and you can be sometimes stronger than normal, right, because of adrenaline kicking in. And when that adrenaline kicks in, it, it gets uh, transferred from these glands and your kidneys to the rest of your body by the bloodstream. Uh, and so... Uh, she quoted uh, Hebrews 2.14 on this one. Uh, for, for, then, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath power of the death, that is the devil. Uh, and so uh, he gives us the power to destroy death, right? Uh, and not only death, but the power of death, uh, that is the devil. Uh, and so, uh, and that came about because of the blood of Jesus, Amen. Uh, and so uh, she said it defends the body. Uh, of course, uh, a big part of the, um, uh, the bloodstream is the white blood cells. So we know the red blood cells are what carries the oxygen. So the air comes into the lungs, and the lungs transfer the oxygen only into the red blood cells of the bloodstream, and that carries all that oxygen to the rest part of the bodies. But also in your bloodstream, another big part of your bloodstream is the white blood cells. So the white blood cells are what goes when it when it sees uh, some kind of infection the white blood cells go and attack that infection right uh, and uh, and they'll do its job uh, and so no matter where in your body if you get a cut or something uh, the white blood cells will immediately start attacking that particular thing uh, and you know it, no doubt when we get to heaven and we find out all the things that our body defeated without us ever knowing it right all the germs and viruses and, and diseases and sicknesses that, are, that came uh, against our body and even tried to enter our body and how our bodies just, with its natural defense, just took care of that. 
Uh, and no doubt there are plenty of things that the Lord Jesus has protected us from that we are completely unaware of, uh, even on this earth, right? And we'll, we'll find out uh, when we get to heaven. Uh, but then you get things like, uh, you know, uh, cancer. One of the things about cancer, the way, the way cancer works, is cancer basically lies to the body. I mean, cancer says, I, I am a perfectly normal cell here. Don't do anything about it. Uh, and the white blood cells go, okay, well, if you said so, then okay, we'll just ignore you and keep on going, right? And that cancer, if it's a tumor of some kind, will continue to grow and increase uh, in consuming all, all available resources of your body. But that's one reason why cancer is so uh, difficult to, to, um, uh, to cure because your natural uh, system, your natural white blood cells, don't attack it. And some of the therapies that they've developed over the years with cancer, uh, you know, a lot of it likes to be radiation therapy, and they would zap the cells, the cancer cells, with radiation, which is difficult because how do you pinpoint a single cell, right, without killing other cells? So although they've gotten better at it, it's still is very difficult in the body. Chemotherapy is basically poison that you put in your body that, that uh, targets just that particular um, cancer, but it's poison, right? And so uh, a lot of times you gotta take all this other medication to combat all the nauseous and the, the sickness that you feel because you're taking all this poison that's, because doctors aren't, aren't uh, medication not perfect, it tries to limit it only to the cancer cells, but it affects your entire system, right? And many people, you know, of course, uh, I know Ms. Sue's a cancer survivor, and many times you've taken chemo and you've wiped out for a day, you know, many days, right? And it just, it's very hard on your body, right? And you've had gone through chemo how many times, right? Uh, yeah. 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 your whole body wants sugar too so you know i mean i don't who knows what would happen but but that's one of the therapies they figured out is if we can get the cancer cells to suddenly not be invisible then just let the white blood cells take do its normal thing and they have uh in the therapies that they've figured out how to do and some it's not every cancer but the ones they have they get like 100 percent remission you know within days because the white blood cells just will will destroy the cancer cells uh, and so that's some of the newest um uh, advances in technology it's only just you know that's not actually attacking the cancer it just uh, you know it's basically um, uh, what, what's the uh, uh, stuff they use to make people tell the truth right uh, what is it uh, the, the you know what I'm talking about you know uh, well no the truth serum right whatever the truth serum is that's what they basically shoot the cancer with is truth serum so make it tell the body that I'm really a foreign substance and the body will take care of itself through its normal process, right? And they have just amazing because the body is, is amazing all by itself, right? Anytime the doctors try to uh, 
make the body do something that wasn't designed to do, sometimes they'll have success, but then there's all these, you know, you see all the side effects, right? You know, like sleeping pills. If you ever read the side effects of what could happen for sleeping pills, you know, it's like, you know, it can do this thing, but it might do these things, right? And these are all these things are bad. And so, uh, because, you know, they don't know how to replicate the body in its great design that the Lord has given to us. So, uh, but the, uh, the, the blood defends the body, right? The white blood cells that are there in there uh, will attack um, all these viruses and germs that come into your body and do its thing unbeknownst to you most of the time, right? Without you having to say, now you go attack that, amen? Uh, and she gave a couple of scriptures for that. Uh, of course, we know this scripture in uh, Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Uh, and in Revelation 1, 6 says, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. Uh, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Uh, and so, so that, uh, and all that is a blessing that the Lord has given to us, right? Uh, one of the things the blood does is, is it stops bleeding and heals wounds, amen? Uh, and we know that, um, you know, as soon as you get a, uh, a, uh, a cut of some kind, that immediately the blood will, will uh, clot right there uh, and then form a scab and then and heal and um, turn that back into normal skin. And if it's not a, a real big uh, uh, cut on your, in your skin, it'll heal up and you'll never notice that there was anything there, right? Uh, it'll be 100% uh, like it's supposed to be uh, and so uh, and that's all again from the blood right where it comes in of course some people then have problems with uh, they'll take blood thinners because of other problems and then if they get it cut sometimes it won't it won't clot like it's supposed to and then some people have diminished capacity to do that right and uh, I think what they call the, the hemophiliacs where, where if they get a cut uh, their blood won't clot and they can just bleed out, you know, from a tiniest little cut because, you know, you think about that, your blood is under pressure right now. Uh, and if you get a cut, it's all going to want to leak out. And, and, if, and if it wasn't for the natural defenses of your blood doing its thing. Uh, and so in, you know, in all of these things, these are all areas that you can apply faith to, right? So if your blood doesn't clot like it's supposed to, you apply faith to that, right? If your blood, your white blood cells are not operating like they should, right? If you've got diminished amount of white blood cells, then you apply faith to your body and say, you know, body, you straighten up and you do these things, right? And then if you're not getting the oxygen you need in your blood, maybe it's got diminished capacity because you've got low red blood cells. You know, those are all areas of faith that you can apply to get your body back up in line with the Word of God, with its original design. Uh, and so if your blood is not, uh, not coagulating uh, correctly uh, and, and is not stopping the bleeding, uh, then... Um, uh, then you can use faith to do that. And, you know, we've all probably had cuts before, and you ever had a cut, and you can feel uh, the, uh, um, the heartbeat in that wound, right? And, it's, you know, it just feels like it just, you know, like pressure right there, you know, it's because it's doing its thing. It's, it's, it's going to send blood to that area uh, with extra nutrients and, and uh, oxygen and uh, do whatever it's supposed to do to heal that particular wound. Uh, and so, and that's, again, just uh, uh, what the body... And, uh, what the body does and she gave us uh, acts 316 says in and his name through faith in his name had made this man strong whom you see and know yea the faith which is which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all uh, and so uh, let's see and then um, uh, the last thing that she mentions here 
is that uh, the blood will bathe every cell in lymph. And I didn't know really lymph was a thing. I was uh, lymph nodes, but I guess lymph nodes have to carry something. They carry uh, lymph, and uh, lymph is the fluid uh, that contains the white blood cells. So it's kind of like your plasma. And of course, I'm not a doctor, so she's, this is 100-year-old information. So if this is 100% wrong, you know, you can let me know. Uh, but I did look up some of these things, and they seem to be still pretty accurate. So, uh, but um, uh, but it it, it uh, bathes all the white blood cells, and um, the way she said it is, uh, the white blood cells in the, in the lymph is that that's their proper atmosphere. So that's the that's the surroundings that the white blood cells expect to live in is in uh, uh, in this uh, the lymph fluid. Uh, and that's how they should live, is in that fluid. And so, of course, we know they've got uh, cancer of the lymph nodes, right, and things like that. And, um, uh, you know, the only time I ever hear the word lymph is in relation to the lymph nodes. And I don't even know what they are. I just know that you know, they're different places, and, you know, who knows what they do, right? And like I said, I'm not a doctor. But, uh, but uh, the, the white blood cells live in this lymph fluid, and that's how they should operate uh, correctly, right, in this. And that's part of the blood system. Uh, and the point that she wanted to make is, is that uh, if their surroundings are correct, then they can do their job correctly. If the surroundings of the white blood cells are correct, then they can do their job correctly. And it's the same thing uh, with us is what's your spiritual surrounding, right? What, what are you living in every day? What do you surround yourself with every day? And so she gave us a couple of uh, verses here. Uh, in 1 John 1, 3, it says, that which... We have seen and heard declare we unto you that you may also that you may also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ so our surroundings should be in fellowship with the lord and the father right of course the holy spirit's with us all the time uh, but that that's our surrounding right that should be when we look around we should be fellowshiping with with god the father and god the son uh, and so and then she talked a little bit about about the mercy seat there uh, and, um, uh, and then she finished up uh, with uh, Romans chapter 1 uh, in verse um, uh, 19. It says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And this, these are pretty good verses because these verses tell us that you know, the world doesn't have the capacity to see the, into the spirit realm. You know, we as Christians can see that, you know, not visibly, but we can, by faith, we can see in, this, in the realm of the spirit, right? We know that God exists. We know that the Lord Jesus exists. We know the Holy Spirit exists. And that's us being aware of and believing in and seeing into the spirit realm. Uh, but the world doesn't have that capacity. They're not saved. But it says here that, uh, that the things which are unseen, the invisible things, can be understood by the things that are made. So... What are things that are made? Well, everything on the earth is made, right? All the trees and the grass and the clouds and, and, and all of that has been made. And the world that can look at that and, and their conclusion should be there must be a God. Uh, and, and so uh, to me, that's a good verse because sometimes we say, well, you know, that particular person was never preached to to receive salvation. So it's unfair for God to send that person to hell. Of course, he doesn't send anybody to hell anyway. But uh, it says here that uh, even if they somehow have dodged all the preachers in the entire world, if they look at a blade of grass, they will know there's a God and they would, they would seek him out. 
And if they seek him out, he said, if you seek and you shall find, right? So any person who's of sincere heart, if they're looking for the Lord, if they never hear a preacher, they will find him, right? And I, you know, I believe for me, that's the way I found the Lord is uh, nobody was preaching to me. I happened to see somebody on TV, but it was me doing that, you know, and, and, um, and I found the Lord that way. Uh, and, and so I didn't find the Lord from nature, but I've heard plenty of stories of people who just, you know, they're out on a hike or they outdoorsy people and just, you know, they're maybe not Christians, but, but uh, one day they just realized there's no way that all of this stuff here that I'm seeing was a complete accident. It had to have been designed by a, a creator. And they go and they find him and, and the Lord will reveal himself when they, and they always, fi- they always find Christianity. You know, people who do that don't go find uh, Buddhism, you know, and, uh, and those types of things. They find the Lord, right? Because he's the creator of these things. Uh, and so, so we can use natural things. And the, her point in using these verses are uh, uh, really a summary of this chapter of we can use the natural things of our body as an analogy to understand how the Lord operates, right? Uh, and so, you know, I think it's, uh, um, it was a little bit of a diversion from the rest of the, the book there, but uh, I think it's a, it was a pretty good diversion uh, because, again, uh, you know, just if you look at how well the body functions, right, a, a healthy, normal body when it's functioning is a miracle every day. Uh, and how every doctor is not uh, a flaming Christian is beyond me, right? Uh, people who study this for years and decades how every one of them not saved and, and believes in a God is really beyond me, right? Because they should all be saved. Because if you understand these things, you know, it'd be, it'd be hard not to, uh, not to know the Lord, right? Uh, and so, uh, gee, I want to uh, ask questions here. Uh, <clears throat> we all can look and see who's out in, the, in our uh, parking lot, you know. Why don't we all go out there and say hi to you, you want to? <laughs> so, um, but... Um, uh, we only got three questions for this chapter, so we can answer the th- three questions for today, right? Uh, so what is the, what's the first function of our blood? That's question number one, right? What's that? There's a lot of mumbling going on. Right, right, right. Did you say to lose weight? Remove, Remove waste, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 to lose weight? I don't, we didn't talk anything about that. Where did you get that from? Uh, yeah, well, it's really everything, right? But to, to cleanse or to remove waste, right? And so, yeah. Um, and, um, and I don't even think we mentioned this particular verse here, uh, but uh, you remember we said that the blood was used to, to regulate temperature, uh, and then she made this analogy here. Uh, because Peter didn't stay close to Jesus, what did he have to do? This is, you know, when he was at, in the trial, right? What was, what was Peter doing when Jesus was at trial? Anybody remember? It was probably in the book, but I don't remember actually preaching this there. So, uh, but uh, he was he was warming himself by the fire, right? Yeah. So she was saying that because he didn't stay close to Jesus, he had to find some other way to stay warm, right? Because the blood staying close to Jesus would keep you warm, right? Uh, and so because he didn't stay close to Jesus, he forsook Jesus. He had to go find some other way to warm himself, right? Uh, and of course, a lot of people will find any other way to find peace other than God, right? If you stay close to God, you can be in peace, right? But if you don't want to stay close to God, then they'll find every way in the world to try to find peace. Of course, they, do they ever find it? They never find it, right? Uh, and then uh, we read this verse just a minute ago. According to Romans 1.20, the spiritual world can be what? By the natural world. Clearly seen. It can be clearly seen and understood, right? And so 
Um, and, and, and I like the end of therefore there without excuse. So when people come up with these hypothetical situations, you know, uh, will you say everybody's going to hear the gospel before they go to heaven? Well, they do. The, all of nature is the gospel, right? All of nature declares the goodness of God. Uh, and so uh, everyone will be without excuse there, right? Uh, and so, so that's, the, that's the end of that chapter there. And the next uh, chapter she goes into looking at uh, salt uh, and uh, how that's... So, you know, a lot of these verses, a lot of these chapters, she's kind of taking natural things and, and applying them to the spiritual world, which, which is fine because the, the Bible uses a lot of analogies, right? And so she's using some here too to kind of help us uh, here. Uh, but the thing I think for this, for this uh for this particular chapter, uh, the thing that I would get out of as much as anything is stay close to the Lord, yeah. right? If you stay close to the Lord, you're always good, right? Uh, if you stay desperate for the Lord every day, you'll be good, amen? As soon as you kind of get lukewarm and think you can take care of yourself, you're going to get yourself in trouble, amen? Uh, and, uh, and, of course, in our society, because we have lots of education, we have lots of information. I had one person tell me one time that, well, Google knows as much as God does. I mean, it's like, you're kidding, right? I mean, yeah, you can Google nearly anything, but just Google what's the meaning of life, right? And it'll send you to some movie or something probably, but um, I mean, it's just, you know, Google doesn't know nothing compared to God, right? I mean, compared to what can be known, it knows nothing, amen? It knows a lot of things of what is known, but as far as what uh, can be known that they don't know about, it just, it's a far cry, amen? We know that, but uh, uh, I always think it's funny when, when people are impressed with Google or stuff like that, that impresses you? You obviously have never met the Lord, right? He just spoke a planet and it came into existence. Uh, go figure that one out, right? Uh, so uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God, for the blessings that you've given to us. And Father, we thank you that your word is true. And, and Lord, we desire with all of our hearts to stay close to you, stay close to the warmth that you provide us, the air that we breathe, Father, the nutrients that we need all come from you. Uh, Father, you said in your word that you give, us to life, you give unto us life and breath in all things, Father. And that comes from you. And we choose to believe that, Father. We choose to be desperately in need of you each and every day. And we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, well, let's get ready to receive this, this afternoon's offering. And um, so, what, about three weeks from now, four weeks from now, uh, Larry Hutton will be here. All right, so Larry Hutton is a minister uh, July the 10th. Uh, he's a minister out of, uh, uh, actually he's living in, in Atlanta right now. And uh, he'll be here with us on Sunday morning at Healing School. So looking forward to seeing him. I've not seen him in, in a long time, like 20 years or so. Uh, and so, but it'd be good to see him. So uh, come ahead, Mr. Darren, and receive the offering. Of course, next Sunday we will have our uh, church meal uh, on Father's Day. So we'll be here for that. And of course, we'll still have Healing School but it'll be our first church meal in our new sanctuary here. So, um, and, um, you know, by faith, I declare every day it's going to get done, right? It will get done. Amen. Uh, and so I will have to outlive it for sure, you know, by a long time. But um, um, it, it'll get done. And, uh, and I think we're actually pretty close. But there's a lot of little things got to get finished up here. So, all right. Uh, anything else? Uh, so we've got uh, the minister there and... Um, uh, the church meal. So, all right. Well, you all have a wonderful week, Lord, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday.